0: Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to Osh's big anniversary sale celebration May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways,
1: 20% off store wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at Osh.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. Hey QED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious. Mindshift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED.
3: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. The state has reached a significant milestone in the push to vaccinate Californians against COVID-19. More than half of adults statewide have received at least one dose of the vaccine, and nearly a third are fully vaccinated. According to the latest numbers from the State Department of Public Health, California has administered more than 25.5 million doses overall, Those numbers line up with the rest of the country, as the CDC says slightly more than half of Americans 18 and older have gotten at least one dose. Latino immigrants have been especially hard hit by the coronavirus pandemic. In Kings County, there's been a 90 percent increase in deaths among Latino immigrants between 2019 and 2020. That's according to a data analysis by UC Merced. Valley Public Radio's Mari Balaño spoke with the family members of a
4: Mexican immigrant who recently died of the virus. Water boils on the stove in Claudia Medina's mobile home in Lemoore. It's a familiar sound, she says. Her husband, Pedro Cruz Mendoza, would get up every morning at 5.30 and start making her coffee. He didn't like coffee, but he knew I did. He loved chilaquiles. On Sunday, that was her breakfast. Chilaquiles, eggs, and his toasted bread. Cruz Mendoza was born in Oaxaca and came to the Central Valley in 1988. His wife and their son joined him eight years later. He spent 21 years working in the fields she says he'd go to work even when he was sick they're undocumented and as low-wage workers couldn't afford to take a day off but when medina started feeling sick in late february she immediately self-isolated in their second bedroom she told cruz mendoza she might have covid he brushed it off she says he didn't believe covid was real over time medina got better but a few days later, she noticed Pedro had developed a dry cough. She says she begged him to get tested for COVID. He told me, oh, this is hurting. And I told him it was his lungs and we needed to take him to the doctor. But he said no. He continued to go to work in the fields for four days. The Migration Policy Institute estimates there are 11,000 undocumented people in Kings County, and nearly all are from Mexico or Central America. Like Cruz Mendoza, many of them work in the food and agriculture sector, an industry hit hard by the pandemic. And they don't qualify for unemployment or federal stimulus checks. All of that helps explain why the Central Valley's Latino immigrants have suffered during the pandemic, says Anna Padilla, executive director of the UC Merced Community and Labor Center. So it leaves them financially
1: vulnerable, where they have really no choice but to continue working in certain conditions and despite their own health.
4: Cruz Mendoza remained wary of getting medical attention, even as his condition worsened. Eventually, he tested positive for covid On March 28th, after 20 days in the hospital, Pedro Cruz Mendoza passed away, leaving behind his wife, only son, and two grandchildren. On April 9th, family and friends met at the Phippsdale Funeral Chapel in Lemoore to say their goodbyes to Cruz Mendoza. Due to COVID restrictions, only 25 people were allowed in at a time. Groups of people gathered outside the chapel, waiting for their turn. Inside a local musician sang of love and departure. Cruz Mendoza lay in his casket wearing his Cruz Azul soccer jersey and his favorite beanie. I said I'm going to dress him the way he dressed here. Cruz Mendoza's family had no money for the burial. Despite working in the Valley's fields for two decades, he had only earned enough to put food on the table and pay his bills. But his daughter-in-law started a GoFundMe account. His son put on a car wash and a friend loaned the family $5,000. Altogether, they came up with the $14,000 they needed to pay for his funeral expenses. A lot of people loved him, a lot of people. When this happened, they'd come and say, tell me this isn't true, and how I wish I could tell them it wasn't. Medina says many people in the Latino undocumented community don't take this virus seriously until it hits them personally. Their son Juan admits before the death of his father, he was one of those
0: people.
1: I would wear my mask and put hand sanitizer, but still, I would say it's a mental thing. But no, now that I've seen that, once you live it yourself, it does exist and it is real.
4: Now Medina and her son say they're figuring out how to live life without Pedro Cruz Mendoza. And Medina says she'll have to figure out a way to pay for his medical bills when they arrive. For the California Report, I'm Mari Bolaños.
3: A CDC advisory panel is expected to meet this week and will likely decide whether to resume administering the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. This comes after federal health officials paused the use of the J&J vaccine last week to investigate if it was connected to serious blood clots in six women who had recently been vaccinated. That news sparked what many experts called a perfect storm for misinformation at a time when millions of Americans are already skeptical about the vaccine. Vaccination process. The California Reports. Keith Mizuguchi spoke with CUNY School of Public Health lecturer Scott Ratson about some practices when it comes to educating the general public about vaccines, particularly during a pandemic.
2: Vaccine literacy is something that we've actually developed, uh, actually initially at Harvard in the um, Harvard Business Review in 2011, and since that time, it's evolved into a whole new area particularly as vaccines have become so fundamental as a foundational element to address COVID. And vaccine literacy also deals with the skills and abilities of people, but also the need to align with the content and the processes that we have in our complex health systems so that people can understand what vaccines do, know why and when they should choose vaccines, and thirdly, why vaccines are fundamental both at the policy level, whether it's school-based, public policy, or even you know, global policy of, of how we're able to live in this world when we have viruses and new pathogens that threaten our future. With all the disinformation that's been circulated throughout the pandemic about both the vaccine and the virus itself, is there a way to help people wade through all of this We would hope that there would be an easy way to wade through the myths and disinformation or fake news that's been out there. And unfortunately, this is not a new phenomenon. The uh, people that have been challenging vaccinations have been around for centuries, but they've been given new oxygen with the social media activities, as well as the challenge that came in through medical science of the idea that, that vaccines could be tied to autism. So this oxygen, while it has been, shall we say, quelled by science, nonetheless lives in the minds of conspiracy folks and others who want to challenge current science in the vernacular. There are a lot of people across the country who are anti-vaxxers. How do you go about talking to these people? People think about what it is to be against vaccines for a variety of reasons. Many of them are steeped in their mind in science, other religious beliefs, others in conspiracy theories and ideology. But overall, when you look historically, if people remember, and most of us don't remember when smallpox was a plague on the planet or um, polio, people don't remember some of the, the realities of disease that were prevented by vaccines. So we have a new awakening and... Saying that, that regard, we need to deal with this on multiple levels. We need to have school based programs early on that remind people the fundamentals of science and how, uh, how disease spreads and how we, we stem disease and some simple hand washing, which doesn't exist, uh, across the country or world in a similar way that we all might have been brought up, just as other hygiene and other pieces are out there. So I'm, I'm answering it in a long winded approach that this is complex. This won't go away with Smoky Bear, or campaign for, you know, tobacco-free kids, or this is your brain on drugs. This needs to have a fundamental societal approach. That was Scott Ratson, a distinguished lecturer at CUNY School of Public Health. Scott, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you so much, Keith.
3: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book.
2: That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. In
3: Southern California, L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti will be delivering his State of the City address this evening. He's expected to unveil a plan to spend almost a billion dollars to address homelessness in the city in the coming budget year. The L.A. Times reports the proposal would include spending up to $100 million in federal recovery funds on the issue. Part of the plan would include an expansion of Project Room Key, which allowed the city to rent hotel rooms for homeless people during the pandemic. The mayor will officially unveil his budget plan tomorrow. L.A. city officials have been criticized by residents, business owners and advocates for not doing enough to help those living on the streets. Tax day is less than a month away, and for out-of-work Californians who still haven't filed their returns, the process could feel extra complicated. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin asked a Bay Area tax expert what she's telling her unemployed clients.
0: Amy Spivey directs UC Hastings Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic. She says if you still haven't gotten around to filing... Definitely get it done ASAP. With all the other stresses of the past year, Spivey's worried people might be tempted to skip out on taxes. And sometimes it's a snowball effect. They don't do one year and then it it causes anxiety and then they just don't do them for a couple of years. By now, the Employment Development Department should have sent you your 1099-G form. That's a record of the total taxable income EDD has issued you in a calendar year. If you haven't gotten this yet, you can find it via your UI Online account on EDD's website. Since EDD has already been fleeced out of tens of billions of dollars in false claims, there's a chance you might get a form that has benefits on it that you never received. If this happens, you should report it to EDD. But if you've tried and still haven't gotten an amended 1099-G, Spivey says to just go ahead and file your return. But don't list any benefits you didn't actually get. If there's a mismatch between what you filed and the records the IRS has for you, the IRS will follow up. And then at that point, you could respond directly to the IRS as well. Although, you know, the downside is it could delay a refund. Many tax clinics like Spivey's have been confined to virtual support during the pandemic, which she says adds challenges for those who might need this help most particularly seniors, people experiencing homelessness. So I, when I, I'm just afraid those people are going to fall through the cracks. If the barriers to filing right now are just too high, think about an extension. It will give you till October 15th to file. And by then, as the pandemic continues to wind down, there could be more in-person help available at free and low-cost groups like Spivey's. For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin.
3: And finally, please consider joining KQED and the nonprofit journalism venture Cal Matters for a special virtual event on the future of campus policing. That event is happening this Wednesday at 6 p.m., and you can register to attend and share your questions at slash events. And that is the California Report for this Monday, April 19th. I'm Lily Jamali.
0: Have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the law firm Perkins Cooey a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at perkinscoie.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. Stanford Medicine, Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthcare.org slash adapting care. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka,
3: host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world.
2: I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be, California.